Hello, hello. Hello. Alright, welcome to the On The Movie Front Podcast, episode 20. Deuce Zero. Deuce Zero is correct. I am Robert. I am Michael. And, so what do we have in store for us today, Michael? We have a lot of things in store for us today. Lots of movie things, right? Oh yeah, movie, movie, movie. Right, we actually watched movies this week, so we're going to talk about that very soon. But we're going to go through our middle of the year, or half of the year awards. You know, it's kind of in June... Half of the year is done, so we're going to talk about what we're going to call it the Ox, short for Oscars. <laughs> Half <Yeah>. the word. <laughs> I like it. Okay, the Osk, the Ox, the Osk. Yeah, sure. Osks, the Osks, the Osks. That's just tough to say, but I'm gonna. <laughs> I like it. We're going to call it the Osks, and we're going to give out awards to the movies and uh, stuff that we believe were the best of this half year. And then we're going going to go into a couple more questions, movie-related questions, and then play some movie games, okay? Woo-hoo. Let's do it. Let's do it. So let's start out with what we've been watching. Michael, you take the floor. I or, With the microphone. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's all right. You know, you just cut me off. No biggie. It's okay. It <laughs> I uh, got to see uh, Green Lantern, um, which is a movie starring Ryan Reynolds and Peter Sarsgaard. Ooh, is he a pirate? He, he is a pirate. That's that's how I imagine him in my mind. He definitely is a pirate. Oh yeah, this um this was a superhero movie, obviously, uh, <laughs> the Green Lantern, based off the comic book. It uh was very good. <laughs> you liked it? No, it. All right. So the plot synopsis is basically the origin story of the Green Lantern, how he um, becomes the Green Lantern. He gets the the ring, which gives him the power, and so you get to see the whole origin. The movie starts out and it's like actually like narrated to explain why where these green lanterns come from, how many of them there are, what they're fighting against, and the movie just goes on from there. And um, yeah, it's all it, it's a classic kind of origin story, very similar to Spider-Man in a lot of ways. The uh, the hero Ryan Reynolds gets his powers, learns how to use them, you know, uh, figures out how not to abuse them, saves some lives, and gets the girl in the end. Aww. Yep. How cute. I'm not. I'm really not spoiling anything because if you've seen one zero superhero movie, then you know the format uh, of how this goes. Still, having said that, this movie does a lot of things right. I think it's very well paced. The uh, the writing is very uh, witty. Ryan Reynolds' character is constantly cracking jokes and saying things to uh, to break the tension uh, that I find hysterical and it's typical Ryan Reynolds but to me like it really fit this character very well he played a very cocky guy who was supposed to be fearless and how he's struggling with that fact that he is really afraid of things and he did a really really good job and I thought it was actually perfect casting uh, when I saw this movie in the previews and in the trailers I thought it was going to be horrible I was dead set that this movie was going to stink but it, they did a really good job and Peter Sarsgaard played an excellent villain uh, they they really had a lot of chemistry on scene on on uh, on film together, and I thought it was uh, I thought it was really good. I, I was very impressed with the movie. You know, I wouldn't say it was better than X Men or or anything like that, but it definitely did a, a really good job at, at telling a story. It made it interesting. There was a decent amount of action. It might have been a little bit slower paced than some of, like like movie like X Men because there's just more action in that because everybody has superpowers so you're constantly seeing things. And like I said, it's an origin, so you get to learn a little bit more. And like I really like that about it. It's more storyline. It's more in depth. You get to like have connection to the characters. And so for me, it, it paid off. I don't really know why this movie got reamed out so badly in the uh, in the reviews by the critics. Okay, um, this so is a, it's a DC comic, right? Um, yeah, it's it DC. It's, it's definitely DC. not Marvel. Right. So you kind of have your Superman, your Batman, and then I guess Green Lantern would be right. I guess would be in third place. I'll, I'll not, I'm not even sure. I'm not a big comic book guy, so I can't even tell you who else is in DC. But uh, I'm not say, too sure. But I would I, say he was pretty popular at DC. Uh, I remember my, my father really liked Green Lantern. Uh, yeah, a lot of people did. And so it was. Uh, did you like the adaptation? And uh, who else is in this? Blake Blake Lively's in this movie. Blake well, Lively's right? in this. She looks amazingly hot. <laughs> Um, yeah, her character's kind of second second tier, like, she's in a decent amount of the movie, but at the same time, you don't really care too much for her. I mean, you can't not like her if she's super hot. But. What, kind of, <laughs> what kind of villain is Peter Sarsgaard? Because, again, I, we kind of discussed it right before we recorded. We weren't even, I wasn't even sure he was in this movie. Yeah, I had no idea before I went to see it in the theaters that he was you know, in that's the movie. Weird, yeah, but the trailer, they, they never even show the villain. They, they didn't not show once. any, like, conflict battle-wise. They just kind of showed, like, okay... I have now power. I, ha- I now have powers. I have to get yeah. used to getting these powers. But like in the, pr- the, pr- the they in, in the trailer, they they made it 
this character seem very corny. And I kept waiting for these horrible lines that I had seen in the trailer. Like in the trailer, he says, like, Green Lantern's light, and it seems all dramatic and super, like, why would you say that during, like, the <laughs> like the epic conclusion of a scene? But when you actually watch the scene, and because I, I knew when it was going to come, and he, and he says that, he doesn't say it like they'd say make it in the trailer. Like, they actually pump up the volume on his voice, and, like, he's saying it amongst, like, a, a, a trail of other, like, it's almost like a monologue while he's fighting like to just like things kind of like to hulk up <laughs> okay I, used, I like to use that term to like get get pumped uh, so he says that in in conjunction with a lot of other things okay alright so uh so the movie you're saying is a lot better than the trailer depicted it to be they really did a bad job in cutting the trailer together they definitely made the, the movie seem like it was going to be not as interesting very poorly written which it wasn't I mean I, I still have a trouble Troubling time picturing Ryan Reynolds as a superhero, but you're saying he did a good job. And wasn't he another superhero in like an X Men film? He was. He what was he, he? He played in Blade. No, not in the X Men. Uh, Bla- he was in the Blade Trinity movie. Oh, was he? As a uh, as some kind of superhero, I always forget what the superhero was. I guess. I guess uh, does he have the superhero aura? Maybe because like cause we we discussed when we saw Thor, we thought that the actor was just like. A superhero. He looks like a superhero. Yeah. Like I don't know if it's because we've seen Ryan Reynolds in so many other different things prior to this, but uh, I don't know. It just doesn't strike me as a superhero type right off the bat. I mean, you liked him in the film though, so like you, that wasn't something that bothered you throughout. But yeah, I mean, because it, it's like it's about this human character who is kind of thrust into the world of superheroes, and uh, he doesn't really. He's not. He never asked for it. He doesn't want it. And in a lot of ways, he can't. Um, can't be responsible because he's kind of immature. Um, so he has to learn how to, to be responsible and, and take care of these powers and, and actually perform to the duties that are needed of him. I'm just I mean, I don't know the story of Green Lantern at all. Why? So Green Lantern is like, were they like all aliens or something like that? Yes. There's a, there's a planet of Green Lanterns people, like an army. <laughs> and they basically go around protecting the world, of the universe, I should say. So they, so did um, they didn't they have an alien to protect Earth? No, just in general, they just protect everything. They mm-hmm. Protect any kind of, and there was never a person from Earth representing them before. Uh, Ryan Reynolds' character is the first person because the uh, the humans are a younger race in relation to how old uh, the other um, races of things are. There's like a fish, there's a big rock giant thing, and all these like interesting looking characters. But you don't see too much of them. They're like maybe 10-15 minutes of the movie if if that. But why why doesn't one of them just protect Earth then? Why doesn't one of the aliens just... They, say, okay, they, we- they actually make the decision in the movie to let Earth be destroyed. Oh yeah? They say, you know, they, they we can't... We don't need that. <laughs> there's this giant force in the movie, okay? It is feeding on the power of fear from people. It is just going to other universes, other worlds, and showing up and t- and just taking the fear out of people's bodies and growing stronger, and it destroys the planets like this. It wipes them out of it. So it just keeps going around and doing that. It just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. Now the Green Lanterns use the power of will, which like makes them green for whatever reason, and fear is yellow, by the way, in this movie. Um, so... The Green Lantern people are like we're not strong enough to to defeat this person right now, so we're gonna like wait <laughs> and 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 forge a battle when he comes to us. So they're gonna let him go to Earth and destroy it. And this is later on in the movie. So Ryan Reynolds is like, "Well, give me the chance to defend my people." <laughs> it sounds corny when you say it out loud, but when you see it, it makes complete sense. <laughs> I was just about to say that sounded like a really corny line in the movie. <clears throat> I would have to say that that aspect of the whole movie was the corniest mm-hmm. the speech to like protect his people. It kind of came out of nowhere, and it it didn't make a lot of sense logically because it was like, how did he know that they were gonna let them do that? It, he he was jumping to a lot of conclusions. I mean, obviously the audience knew that because they had heard speeches in previous scenes, <laughs> but there was no way Ryan Reynolds could have known. So whatever, you have to look past that stuff, right, right, right. Uh, the plot holes. And uh, like if you do, and if you. The CGI really wasn't uh, as bad as I thought it was going to be. They used some inventive stuff in, in using it, so it was enjoyable. Good, good. Yeah. Okay, so what would you give this? I, I'd give it like a, a 65. 
65. Yeah, I, I say it did a really good job. The action was was well paced. Uh, the movie overall had a good narrative. So yeah, 65. 65. Solid, solid. Not the uh, not the best comic book film right. of the summer, but not right. the worst. Exactly. I don't know. Is there was there a worse one? Worser? It, I just said a worser one. <laughs> uh, I'm not too sure off the top of my head what I gave Thor, but I think... I think you gave Thor in the 70s, no? Did I? I, I gave oh, Thor no, a 62. 62. Yeah, I was going to say that this was uh, just a little bit better than is, Thor. Okay. And what did you give this? 65? Yeah, 65. Okay. Alright. Is it my turn? It is your turn, Ooh, Mr. Yay, Robert. Okay. Well, I, <clears throat> well, excuse me. Excuse me, because I'm a little sick right now, so I might be coughing Don't and cough. sniffling. Please and I might get Michael sick very soon. The closer we sit next to each other. The more sick you'll get. You're disturbing me highly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I watched the movie on DVD because I did not venture out to the the movies. I, I planned to, but I just fell asleep, so I couldn't. I watched this interesting movie called Fair Game. Michael, have you ever seen this movie? I've never heard of this movie. <laughs> I don't. You know, I don't even remember when it came out. Like you know, month wise last year. I want to say it was like a summer film, maybe in the mo- in the theaters. It was in the theaters. Wow. But it was one of those like non mainstream movies I guess who, who anyway in it? it stars Naomi Watts and Sean Penn two very very good actors oh is this like a trial well okay well let me account, let me <laughs> tell you Michael this goes through the uh, the real life events and I'm sure we all remember them once I'm, I'm going to start giving you the plot synopsis of, uh, it was 2003 when basically it was revealed that the United States were going to war with Iraq and that was because they had uh, weapons of mass destruction that the Bush administration, you know, claimed that we're going to attack them if they don't, you know, they don't disarm them, they, they don't put them away or something like that. And then, you know, we went to war. But prior, everything leading up to the war, there was, uh, this, this is a married couple. It's uh, Valerie Plame and Joe Wright, played by, you know, Naomi Watts and Sean Penn. And uh, Valerie, she is a CIA uh, agent. She has, you know different tasks and missions throughout the world. She has groups here and there. She pretty much um, leads them wa- from the United States. And Joe Wright, um, he has a, a history with this uh, a company, not a company, a, a, a country called Niger. Now, not to get confused with Nigeria, but it's a very small country. And basically there were allegations saying that the country of Niger made a uh, a deal with Iraq for with a uh, like lots of lots of amounts of uranium to make nuclear weapons. So they asked uh, the CIA asked Joe Wright. Uh, why can't I say Joe Wright? Because he's a <laughs> director. Joe Wilson. They asked him for a favor to go to Niger and you know do, do do some digging and find out what he can whether or not this actually happened. So he goes on this trip, <clears throat> goes to Niger and he finds out that this there's no way possible this transaction could have went down. So he goes back and tells the CIA, gets him the report saying there's no way that the uh, uranium was you know, passed through them and Iraq. They probably, if they do have it, it's not from Niger. And basically they just ignored everything that uh, Wilson gave them and they, used, they still use that point saying that Niger and Iraq made a transaction for a lot of uranium and that's why they have uh, materials to make nuclear weapons and therefore we have to go attack Iraq and that was the the Bush administration you know uh, Bush his uh, State of the Union address or something like that so basically the rest of the movie tumbles from that moment because Joe uh, Wilson is so upset that this happened that he wrote an op-ed piece in the New York Times about detailing everything that he did on his trip and saying that there's no way that they actually have uh, they didn't have the uranium, they probably don't even have weapons of mass destruction, calling them like liars and everything, and this unveiled everything they, they actually, the, the White House, you know, they outed out Valerie Plame and saying, you know, she's, she's a part of the CIA and of course after she was outed you know, she was released by the CIA. She was uh, all her all of her missions were suspended. Lots of uh, people were killed. You know, overseas, and that, that that she promised to be safe. And then that really took a toll on the nation as a whole because it divided the nation. Whether like, why are we fighting? You know, are, are there even weapons of mass destruction? This person's saying, you know, there isn't. But the White House and all of the uh, correspondents are doing the best to quiet him. And, but he's on TV every single second on MSNBC or CNN trying to say, listen to me, don't listen to them, they're lying. And it was just a lot of mudslinging back and forth. But the, re- the, the greatest thing I like about this film is not all of these 
not all of these things that we kind of remember now from uh, 2003, but kind of seeing the uh, the marriage between um, Valerie and Joe, and they had two children, and seeing like obviously this type of you know scandal or controversy can tear any family apart. But it was really carefully done in this film, seeing how you know such different of opinions that these uh, the, the two parents had and how it affected their children, how it affected their relationship with their families and obviously directly to themselves. So I like the movie a lot. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, I don't, I'm not really into all these like political thrillers or I'm, I'm not even one to watch CNN at all even though I, I work. <laughs> I, I graduated with a journalism degree but I don't really, I'm not into politics that much. But this movie still had me riveted and I was very interested to see what was going to happen next. And I mean, like I said, it, there's there's really no spoilers because this did happen. And the interest, another interesting thing about the film is that they didn't even bother to hide names. They they used Cheney, they used Bush, they used all of the the real names of everyone. And uh, the movie was kind of it took all the information from the uh, the married couple when they wrote their books and they made this into a movie. So because of that, it was very one-sided. But it didn't like it wasn't like a preaching movie. It was mainly to show how their marriage and relationship fell apart because of this whole thing. Hmm. So yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, it was slow at times, but I feel like, you know, with uh, a strong type of drama, and it was it was like a family drama with the, the back set of, you know, the nation going to war and them being right in the middle of it. So there were a lot of big storylines going on. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a strong, very strong movie. Great performances. Obviously, Naomi Watts and Sean Penn can hold their own. And, yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, I'm sad I didn't see it in the movies. So um, I'm going to give this a 76. Very wow. solid. Very yeah. solid movie. I would say you should watch it, Mike. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> really fascinating. I do remember the previews for this movie uh, before it had came out. But I just remember it, like, kind of watching it and saying, well, that seems, uh, like, very heavy. It movie. was, right. Rightfully so. <laughs> it was very heavy. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it... it, it, it it had its, like, objective, and I think they are successful in achieving that. And who do you think uh, had the better acting performance? I would say Naomi Watts. She was essentially, like, the the central character. Sean Penn, uh, he kind of was... He was the he played the role of, like, the husband that was, like, really, like, I'm out there to, to get them. He was very, like, gung-ho, and uh, he kind of didn't know when to shut up type of thing. But in the, in the long run, uh, you know, Valerie... You know, Naomi Watts' character admitted that he was right for fighting so hard against such a immovable force. Like it was like David versus Goliath type of thing. But she was more concerned about the family, and she would sacrifice her job. She would sacrifice everything for her family, and he just didn't get that at the time. So I feel like his role was a little bit easier, just playing almost, you know, borderline madman, like, just a madman at the time, just trying to do anything he he thinks is right, but not really thinking of anyone else. He was selfish in his right, and she had a lot of a uh, out of more, you know, sentimental, emotional moments that really shone off the screen. So, yeah, I think uh, Naomi Watts wins this battle, even though Sean Penn has two Oscars to Naomi Watts' zero. <laughs> <laughs> well, very cool. I definitely will take a look at that movie when I get a chance. Cool. Cool beans. Okay. So let's take a little break. Let's take a little break. We'll be back with the Oscs. Oscs after this. The Shankill Butcher's right tonight You better shut your windows tight They're sharpening their cleavers And we are back. Robert and Michael are back. Michael and Robert are back. Yep, yep, yep. And so, <laughs> we have the asks for you if uh, you're just tuning in now, which I don't know why you would be, but <laughs> if you're just tuning in, the Oscars are kind of our middle of the year awards, half of the year, it's June, you know, half of the year has gone by, and there were a lot of movies that we saw since the movies. beginning of the year. You've seen a lot more movies than I have, but because I'm saw, awesome. I saw my share, and uh, so we're going to give away some awards to what we believe are the best of the best of the half of the year. Yeah, so let's just jump right into it. Jump. Our first category is... Drum roll, please. Best actress. That was a horrible drum roll. Yeah. I can't. I didn't. I can't Here we go. That. Ready? Ready? That was pretty good. Ah, I'll right. work on it. I thought it was a half drum roll, half Chewbacca. Yeah. 
That is my Chewbacca impersonation. <laughs> okay, so we're on Best Actress. Michael, who did you think had the strongest acting performance by a female this half year? So far this year, I would say that Emily Blunt in the Adjustment Bureau had uh, had the best performance. It was just one that was very like understated, but it was incredibly... Um, powerful I guess in in the way that it is you know you believed her every step of the way and you kind of felt for her emotions in the film how she you know might be forced to have this choice between her talent and love and uh and kind of dealing with that and it was really really well done she had a pretty difficult role in this movie right because like she was kind of like she liked Matt Damon's character right. but at the same time all of a sudden like He's, she's just like being confused, like thrown in the middle of something like she definitely can't understand. She has, crap. she can't fathom, and she has no idea. But you know, all she knows is that she has this love, and basically that's how, just kind of what she follows. But like these things happen, and like when Matt, Matt Damon tells her about the fact that he's like, well, you know, if we're together, you can never, you can never be a dancer, and she's just like, so, like almost devastated in hearing that, and like her kind of like, well, you know. I, I, that's all I've ever wanted since I was a young girl, you know. But, so it's like, like putting yeah. her right on the spot right there to, to choose, you know, from her. Well, he walks away from her. Oh, yeah? You know, in I the film. don't ruin the in, movie for me. Well, I, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's almost like early on in oh, the yeah? film. Almost. This is, that, is it on DVD yet? Uh, it should be probably in like a week yeah. or two if it isn't already. Okay. Yeah, I But yeah, like he out. walks away from her for a few years. <laughs> and then, like, she's, you know, She's just she can't operate. She doesn't. She's almost like depressed for the rest of her life. You know, for those few years that they're they're apart, right. and like they bump into each other again. And she was engaged and everything, and hmm. she's just you know she's like I had to try and move on in whatever way I could, but I love you, you know. And it's just crazy how 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 strong their feelings for each other are, and so believable. I mean, completely believable. Nice. So nice. yeah. Okay. What and about your your winner? My winner. Your Osk, your Osk goes to the Osk goes to Kristen Wiig in Bridesmaids. Now I haven't really seen too many movies with uh, central female characters, and as Bridesmaids, uh, essentially all female cast. I think Kristen Wiig did a very very good job in portraying her her role as you know the friend who you know kind of has been in a rut. Yeah, she's trying desperately free to change her luck. And it's such bad timing that while she's going on this downhill slump, you know, her, her best friend's getting married. She has this rival with her best friend, uh, best friend's other friend, who is a lot more richer, a lot more wealthier. And, like, you know, she has her life together, or so it seems. And, yeah, she has, she has competition. She just feels like the whole world is against her in, during this movie. And uh, I thought she did a very good job. Obviously, Kristen Wiig, we all know, can be funny in Saturday Night Live and the, the other roles that she played in films. So the comedy aspect was easy for her. But I was impressed by, you know, that the scenes where she wasn't too funny. She was actually uh, just a real p- person. and <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. You know, she, she was very believable in her role. And, uh, yeah, the award goes to Kristen Wiig for me. Interesting choice. I, I disagree with it, obviously. Uh, but yes. But let's move on. Uh, the best actor, and the Osc goes to Paul Giamatti for Win Win. Win Win. Paul Giamatti's awesome. In fact, in this movie, he plays a high school wrestling coach, with where his family is struggling and they they need money to fix up the things that that they have for their businesses, and so he, uh, unrelated to that, he he decides to go out of his way and basically adopt a kid who's, you know, falling on hard times and, and his grandfather can't take care of him. So he takes him in, finds out that he can wrestle, decides to coach him, and it's just uh, it's a great, you know, family movie. Uh, I mean, a movie about a family that is just riveting, and Paul Giamatti's a- excellent in it. Just the man. He, has like an, uh, uh, he does very well in these indie family type of films. He's just so be- he's such a believable actor, and when he plays these indie movies, because in the indie movies they're more about characters, so that's where he thrives. He's gonna play a character, and he he's the ma- master of characters. Where like he would never really work as a superhero, I don't think. Maybe a villain, but who knows? That could be fun to see him in that. Role. Yeah. Right, and my Osk goes to Brad Pitt in A Tree of Life. For I think I think so far in this half year he was. Uh, the strongest acting performance that I've seen yet. 
And, I mean, I, I do like Brad Pitt, and I have to say this is probably up there. Easily top five, I think, of best performances that he's ever given in his entire career. He plays Mr. O'Brien. That's what he's go that's what he goes by. He has no first name in this movie. Mr. O'Brien. And yes, he's a very he's a strong character, he's a disciplinarian, and the 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 whole actual like linear narrative in his film deals with his relationship between him and his oldest son. And just the way he, he was just so believable and I feel like a lot of fathers were like this in the fifties. They were they were very caring and loving to their family, but at the same time they were very strict, saying he had to, you know, he had to apply that he was the man of the house and like his his boys had to obey him, do whatever he said, you know, whatever the the, the wife had to cook, you know, make, prepare the meals, do everything pretty much do everything he says. So it, he wasn't I, I, it's, I mean, some people saw this movie and they were just like, he, he was too abusive, he was a bad father, but I don't necessarily think his character was a bad father at all. It was, he, he, had, his, he, had, a, he had a very uh, strong way to kind of, you know, inflict his opinions and ideas to his children and his family, but he wasn't a bad guy. And, uh, yes, Brad Pitt. And the, 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 more, the most impressive thing about this movie and his performance was that and there was, it was a very quiet uh, a very quiet movie. There weren't much. There wasn't much dialogue in the film, but yet at the same time, you knew exactly what was going on because of these acting performances. You saw it in the expression. You saw it in the subtle, the subtle walk that Brad Pitt took, and you just you see a shot from behind, and you know he's ticked off. You don't. You didn't even have to hear it from him, but you just know exactly what he's feeling. So yes, very good job by Mr. Brad Pitt. Nice. Moving on, okay. Moving on, we have what is the best superhero film of this year so far that we've seen? Because obviously there's been a lot of superhero films out. Um, I'm just gonna say right now that mine is Door because I haven't seen any other superhero films, <laughs> so it does not by default Door wins. But at the same time, I did enjoy Door a lot. Michael, you've seen a lot more superhero films, so what would be your top notch so far? So far, I pick X Men. I just thought it, you know, it was just a little bit slightly above all the other superhero movies. Really well done, well acted, uh, yeah, and and well directed. So far, out of all the superhero films, there hasn't really been that bad of a one, right? Right? I mean, there was Thor, Green Lantern, X Men. I think that's that's kind of it, right? Well, there, I there? gave Green Lantern a good review, right? A lot of people it, didn't like it, 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 but some people liked it too. In the uh, in the critics, and then so. we have Captain America coming up. So that America, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. What's what's our next category? I the best remember. action film. Action. I would say it's so far it's Adjustment Bureau. That movie for me just was awesome. It just from from beginning to end it just moved extremely well. Tons of action and so yeah. I I would just also uh, honorable mention Fast Five. It's really good. Nice. Got to throw in this sec- the runner <laughs> up goes to Fast Five. Are you ready for Fast 6, or whatever it's going to be called? Even faster, I think. <laughs> Wait, is that what it's going to be called? Probably not, but they should call it that. Well, the ask for best action, in my opinion, goes to Sucker Punch, the Zack Snyder fantasy hot chick with machine gun film. Hot chick. I think it's on, it should be on DVD soon, so all that have i got to wait to catch it, because I haven't seen it yet. Okay, you're right, it's a... Uh, I think I don't know if they've been advertising the director's cut. I'm not even sure if you can get it without the director's Ooh, cut. Ooh, interesting. But yeah, uh, Zack Snyder's film. Lots of action you can expect from oh, a Zack Snyder Zach film. Oh, you mean Zack overrated? I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't like <laughs> Zack Snyder? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, the film wasn't great, but it had a lot of action, and uh, I, I want to say that I'm in the I'm in the group that actually liked this film a lot more than other people did. Uh, yeah. There's a group of people like that, <laughs> or is it just you? We, no, we have a group, and it's called Sucker Punch for Life. <laughs> okay, we have our website. Please join if you like the film as much as I did. Sucker Punch Lunch group. That would be funny. <laughs> Sucker Punch Lunch. <laughs> lunch the Sucker Punch Lunch group. Yes. All right. So, so the next category. What is it? Is what is it? Animation. Oh yeah, you didn't see one, right? No. Okay. So Michael has no Osc in this category. But I Mike, keep the Osc for myself. <laughs> <laughs> ask, ask for you. Uh, we haven't seen Cars two. I don't plan on seeing Cars two in the theater. Yeah, me neither. And I also heard it's not that good. Yeah, unfortunately, that's a very, it's a very sad day to hear that a Pixar film is not that good. It's not that sad because it's Cars two. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sad, in my opinion. The first Pixar sequel, right? 
Uh, well, if, you don't, if, you don't, if you don't count the Toy Stories. Because they're Pixar... Sony. Uh, Pixar... Disney. Disney? They, they, they were a combo. Right, right. That's Are they still a combo? I think they get funded by Disney, but... I think they had to be. Oh, yeah, but they, I think for the movie, they had to I be. I mean, because it's weird, because, like, you know, Pixar only makes one movie a year, while other studios obviously bang out, like, six movies or so yeah, a year. Yeah, they so. take their time. Yeah, yeah. All right, but mine will be pretty much the only animation movie I saw was Rango, but it was a very good movie. Um... You know, just a town of dirt. Very witty, very, very funny, I think, for adults. I'm not sure if kids will like it as much as adults. I'm, gonna, I'm, not gonna say, I'm just going to put it out there. Like, I thought Fantastic Mr. Fox appealed to adults a lot more than it did to kids. Uh, I think it has a, a very similar dry type of humor, but very witty. And it had a lot of good action scenes, too. It was, it was very good all around. Cool. So moving on, best comedy. And Rob and I have the same answer <gasps> for this. The Osks go to... Bridesmaids! We love this film. Well, I, I love this film Funny, funny, funny. It was very funny. Um, and not only was it funny, it was just a very well-made film. Uh, lots of strong performances. Uh, a little long. But little long, other than that. But you can expect that from a Judd Apatow production. Apatow. Apatow! I got uh, an ipid, appetite... I screwed that one up. <laughs> I got an appetite for Apatow. <laughs> you combine Apatow with Paul Feig and you get, you know, very good stuff. Pretty much, <laughs> <laughs> very eloquent, Rob. Very I know. I, I I thought of that for like. So like our ten final, minutes. final, the final category, best movie of the half year. <laughs> I couldn't keep up that drum roll. Let me try again. Okay, my answer is. How about we say it at the same time? No, <laughs> my answer is Super Eight. That Super movie, the Duper Eight, simply. Was super great. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> yeah, Super Eight was pretty awesome. My pick is The Tree of Life, the very the most polarizing film of the year so far. Yeah, polar bears. Yeah, sweet. Three polar bears, <laughs> like in Lost, and you're just like, what are Amazing. they doing on this island? It's pretty much you like it like me, and then you're a pretentious douche, or you hate it like half of the other people out there, and you're an ignorant slut. Okay. Whoa. So, jeez. There's no middle ground. There's absolutely no middle ground. Can I be a pretentious slut? (laughs) 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 Yes, you can, Michael. Don't ever think (laughs) about that again. All right. So I think we're done with the half of the year awards, right? Yeah. Are we? I'm I'm just. I'm like staring at this paper. We're halfway there. Is that a song? Mm, Sound. It's very similar to a song. Living on yeah, a yeah, prayer. Yeah, okay. I'm, like, I'm like, is that a Bon Jovi? Take my hand and we'll make it, I swear. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a short break. We're going to be back with some Q&As with Rob and Mike and then some movie games. Movie games. Stay tuned. <laughs> We're back at GAC. Oh, I, I wasn't sure if this was like stalling or something. All right, we are back. Like Sorry. I said that first. Technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. We have Q&A with Rob and Mike. That's Ooh. me and you. Yes. All right, Wh- so which one's Q and which one's A? Uh, I'm going to have to be the Q. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I will ask the first question. Which film will make more money? Harry Potter? Part two? What, I don't even know. Seven. <laughs> Part two? <laughs> it's the seventh movie. I, was, I, was, I forgot to say The Deathly Hallows Part Two. Oh, oh, Part Two. I get it. I apologize. <laughs> no, it was stupid the way I said it. It made it seem like it was the second movie. It was my bad. But I, in my head, I knew what I was yeah, saying. Yeah, The Deathly Hallows. Part Two. Yeah. Or Transformers Dark Three. of the Moon. <laughs> Part three, Dark of the Moon. I keep on thinking of Pink Floyd every single time I hear it. Yeah, Dark Side of the Moon. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So I think this is a a pretty decent question because both are well-established franchises. Both are huge moneymakers. And to make this even more interesting, Transformers 3 getting some pretty good reviews. They're saying it's a lot better than the second one, which isn't, you know, hard to do, but still. This is my theory. Any time a movie sequel comes out, they always say it's better. I don't know who starts the rumor, but whoever's got like their hand on the pulse of word of mouth is definitely like being paid off. And that's where, because like, 
so, however it is, movie movie people have figured out that word of mouth is the best advertising tool. They get to the people that are in Twitter, the know, man. that are in, and That's they, they like the promotion right, on Twitter right. now. They must pay him some money to start saying how good these movies are. I'm convinced of it, absolutely convinced of it. They will get if they get well, me money. What about the films that are that are bad, and then the word of mouth is like this movie sucks. Don't go see it, and then you won't go see it. Right. Well, it's obviously they didn't get to the word of mouth or the right they word didn't of do mouth. A good people. job. You know, they thought, oh, well, this guy is good, and he <laughs> wasn't obviously. Okay. So, which movie will make more money? I have been thinking about this. And I would say that Why are you Harry about Potter <laughs> will squeak out a win in this category. So Transformers comes out this weekend, for those of you out there who don't know. Well, I shouldn't say weekend, because it comes out on the 29th, which is... It comes out tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. On a Wednesday. It's got a five-day release. A five-day weekend box office. For the 4th of July weekend. Right. And that's the problem. Like, I think that the last two movies have probably come out on the 4th of July weekend. Does that well. count as six if you count 4th of July as a Monday? Um. But it's not part of the weekend. It's not part of the box office results. Uh, Monday is part of the. I mean, we're not, we're not doing. Just to clarify, we're not doing opening weekend. We're doing, you know, full gross. Oh, did, you th- did you know that? Well, we always kind of just do. I know, but I'm just saying. Gross. I'm, oh yeah, okay. All right, all right, yeah, yeah. we weren't doing like a box office prediction. Right, that. right. Okay. And the thing is, like, I I think that you think that people are it? a little tired of the Transformers, whereas people don't seem to get tired of the Harry Potter. <laughs> um, I I just feel like that this movie's gonna Harry Potter's gonna be a like a thunderstorm of money in the opening weekend and just continue throughout the the rest of the summer as as gaming. I think it'll be in theaters longer than Transformers will. Also, um. I mean, this isn't really co- correlative, but... Is that the right word? Eh, maybe. Correlative? Maybe. Okay. Transformers 3 has been spending a ton of money on advertising. That, to me, is a huge sign that the movie's not good. I, it, anytime I see... I mean, I, every time I turn on the TV, every time I go to the theater, there's a preview for it. No matter what movie I'm watching, even if it's an independent comedy, like, there's a Transformers three preview beforehand and it's just like that's a red flag to me that's always been a red flag and they must have spent a hundred million dollars on freaking advertising so I think that that's really going to end up hurting them Okay, it's overexposure people are not going to go see it I I just think they're not going to go see it they still make over a hundred million I'm sure but oh easily over a hundred million but it's not going to do like 150 I don't think you don't if think I, if I can make a gamble, I would say it's not going to do 150. Are we talking about opening weekend or total gross? I think total gross. I will take that bet. All right, five bucks. When? <laughs> wow, you're that confident? I don't want to give you my reasons why, but yeah, it's easily going to make over 150. You're crazy. Sure, go ahead. Give me your reasons why. Well, just number one, <laughs> as bad as Pirates was, mm-hmm. it's made over 230 million dollars. Right, but. That this was a, that was a very highly anticipated movie, more so than Transformers Three is. Transformers because Transformers Two was so bad. It it, it would how be like <laughs> if you go back to see how much tra- uh, Pirates of the Caribbean Three made, that would be a good movie to look at. Okay. Because that would be the same as this. The the one preceding it did really poorly, so it hurts the bro- the box office of the next movie. Now, if they go, if this movie's awesome, there's a Transformers Four. I'm sure that movie's box office will be four times what this movie's is. Right, right. I just think you're underestimating the. Uh, nah, I mean, I always do. <laughs> My numbers are awful. All right, we have we have a wager on recording. We have bet a uh, five dollar foot long, I guess, <laughs> for uh, Transformers. One hundred fifty million gross is the number at that. Michael has said it to Yeah, me. I'll just give you my $5 now. <laughs> Why would you even... <laughs> anyway, no, I agree with you. I think Harry Potter is going to... Uh, I forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> I think Harry Potter... So wrapped up in the Transformers thing. <laughs> Harry Potter will make more money, and I have a couple points for that. Numero uno, Harry Potter, and this is the last one, it is the event of the year, the movie event of the year, I would have to say, just because it's wrapping up such an epic... How long has these Harry Potter movies have been out? Like 10 years now or so? Yeah, Almost easily. 10 years? It's wrapping up a 10-year epic battle saga of this beloved book series. And I'm going to say, even if people haven't even seen any of the movies, or, you know, I think they're still going to go because this is the movie event of the year. I've managed to stay away from spoilers for this movie. 
Don't ask me how, but I've managed to stay away, and I am thoroughly looking forward to. I what's can't wait for happen. the day before you go to see the movie. It's going to be spoiled for you. I, it, I'm not going. I don't listen to people talking. If I see an article, I just ignore it. I don't hear people I wanna, say. I want to kind of like see how you avoid people. T- I, this could be a funny skit to do. <laughs> <laughs> Ways Michael Sheehan avoids <laughs> talk about Harry. I Potter. just don't bring it up. I just avoid it. Like the there's plague. a couple of people I work with that are huge Harry Potter fans, and every single time they say something, I'm just like nope, 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 nope. But yes, uh, do you know? Do you know how this movie ends? I, have, I actually don't know. Oh, good. I don't know. Good. So far, I don't know. Um. Well, I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie. I I kind of assume Harry Potter's gonna win. <laughs> it seems like the logical it seemed conclusion. Like it was a happy ending. I didn't hear. But if he doesn't, books. I will be thoroughly surprised. <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, just because Transformers is coming out now, doesn't Harry Potter come out in two weekends? I believe. Is it that soon? I believe it's like July, middle of July. Wow. And I think that's going to take away a lot of the money that Transformers was going to make in the long run. And the fact that we lo- uh, we looked at the box office uh, mojo site with the schedule coming up, there's no good movies coming out in August. Harry Potter is going to be around for the entire month of August, and there's no good releases during that month. So yes, it has a has a really good future for it. It's going to make a l- crap load of money. <laughs> what were you going to? I was going to say a lot. I'm like that's that's just that's not enough. That's not it's enough. Make a crap load. Okay, let's move on to our next question, Michael. I'm going to ask it. Will The Tree of Life be nominated for Best Picture? I'm going to simply answer, I don't know, because <laughs> I haven't seen it. But haven't it. you like heard enough things about this movie? No. Did you see the uh, that, that one post? No. Where the, uh, well, <laughs> let me Go tell ahead. you then. There's a, there a, there a movie theater who actually had to put up a warning on their box office window about The Tree of Life saying you will not get a refund <laughs> if you go see this movie. Oh, wow, really? It was just like, because so many people, to, for, for opening weekend, they had it in this theater, so many people saw the movie, they left angry, and they wanted the money back. And so they had to write a whole, like, two paragraphs worth saying, this is a very visual and unique experience by... This is what we were talking about last podcast, right? How they should do that. Exactly. We we were saying that. That's why (laughs) I was laughing so hard when I'm like, this actually happened? I I really think if if bigger theaters picked this movie up, they should definitely have a warning sign. Well, aren't they? Bigger movies? Is it this going is, wide this release? Is, this is it. I, I assume I heard it was going wide release. Uh, I think next weekend, but you know we'll see. Uh, yeah, I think July eighth. It's going to compete against uh, that boss movie. Whatever, what is that called? Angry bosses. Horrible bosses. <laughs> Horrible bosses. I, no, it's not going to do well. I don't think it's going to do well in the box office. But just the fact that people want to go see it because Brad Pitt and Sean Penn's in it, it's it's going to be silly. But anyway, uh, as we discussed before, Best Picture, you have to have minimum. 5% first place votes. I'm going to say, right, obviously it's way too early to even, you know, say, uh, really predict Oscars. I'm going to say it's going to get in. Okay. Just because it's so polarizing. The people who like it love it, and the people who hate it will, won't even put it in their top ten. I mean, I guess there really hasn't been, so far, there hasn't been a lot of movies that have really had that kind of talk mm-hmm. about it. I would love to see Super 8. But I don't think it has the pull. I, I, I mean, I don't know. Well, that's a good thing, though. Do you think it's Super 8 to, will make it's it? It's hard to have the pulse, you know, the pulse of, like, the Academy uh, culture. Tough. You it don't know tough. what they're thinking, what, what they like. I know what I like. And I would put Super 8 in there, but... Right, right. I'm just saying, uh... I'm gonna, uh, yeah, gonna, gonna go on the record and say Tree of Life will be one of the nominees for Best Picture coming wow. at the end of this year, well, when, whenever they announce them. Okay, and final question, Michael. This one's this one's a fun one. Have you ever walked out of a theater before? What movie and why? Sleep? Question <laughs> mark. That was in parentheses. You're not supposed to read the parentheses. I like reading parentheses. <laughs> so have I ever walked out? Cause uh, I don't know. I, I feel like honestly, I've never walked out of a movie before. Cause I feel like if I paid that money to see it, and I usually do some research before seeing a movie, I'm not gonna go you know, blindly into, oh, I think <laughs> I'm going to pick this movie to see tonight and go see it. I'm going to be like, I think I like, I'm going to like this movie. I like this actor. I like this director. I heard the storyline's good. You know, I'll go see it. I don't, I don't usually like to pay for bad movies. Oh, well, I agree with that. And that's why I like to kind of screen them somewhat beforehand. Um, so no, I've never walked out of a movie before. Have you? Once and only <sighs> once. And that, I mean, of the thousands of times that I've gone to the movie theater, oh, all my trips, you know, it's a process, right? You get in the car, you have to drive, whoever knows. And, that, and, and the time I went, this was in college, and there was only um, two movie theaters in the area. And they were both 
easily like 15 to 25 minutes away. Um, the closer one wasn't playing the movie, so we had to drive a little further, you know, through these backwoods, through traffic lights to get to the theater, okay? Walked in the theater, bought my tickets, uh, sat down, had some popcorn and a soda. Uh, I went to see Be Cool <laughs> with John Travolta. This is a very unknown movie. I don't even know what movie this, <laughs> this is. This is this is starring John Travolta and Uma Thurman. Okay, <laughs> this was supposed to be kind of a sequel, if you will, to what? To Pulp Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this was this oh was based off of their characters in that in that film. I'm saying the right person, right? Uma Thurman, right? Or is it, no, Char- Charlize Theron? No, it's Uma Thurman. I yeah, think it's Uma. Definitely Uma. I apologize. It took those two characters from Pulp Fiction and and wrote a sequel about them, okay? This movie was a mess. And I mean a mess. I can't even tell you what it was about. It was horrible from the first minute of film to, like, just awful. They, like, reenact their dance scene, but it's during a gun gunfight. Like, people are shooting around them while they're dancing. It makes no sense. And like I said, I can't... So, I was there, and about 45 minutes into the movie, I started thinking, like, I am not enjoying this movie, you know? But there's, like, the little bit of curiosity, like, well, where is it going to go? What's going to happen? Because literally with this movie, you could not predict a single thing that was going to happen. Then there was just, like, this 10-minute scene where they just sat down and, like, got high, and literally, like, nothing happened. It wasn't, like, a trip. They were just there smoking, kind of, like, said a sentence to each other here and there. And I just was like, this movie's going nowhere. It's literally going nowhere. And so I just got up and left. And even as I was leaving the theater, I felt guilty. I was like, I can't believe I'm walking out on a movie. I've never done this before. Like, I never thought the day would come when I would do, like... I've never just seen a movie that, to me, I would didn't want to see anymore, ever. <laughs> and that was the first and only time I've ever walked out of a theater. That's and that was how many years ago now? I still haven't walked out of a movie since. Almost. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I did fall asleep uh, one time during a movie, very recently during Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger oh, Tides. Yeah, it just uh, it got a little long in the middle part, and I started dozing off. There was a little, uh, yeah, slow in the middle parts. I think I've fallen asleep. In two movies, I think I fell asleep during uh, Chicago, ah. and I fell asleep during Master and Commander. Ooh. That movie? <laughs> yeah, that three-hour that was a beast of a film. Don't ask me why. As uh, as a high schooler, I there's no reason why I went to go see that movie. <laughs> the other movie I fell asleep in, and but this was only because it was a midnight showing. Was uh, The Matrix Two? Okay. It was just it was midnight. The movie is like almost long, really it's long. like two hours and forty minutes or something like that, and just. I could not. I could not stay awake. <laughs> Legit. So yes, those are the movies that uh, we have fallen asleep to, and that Mike walked out to. Tell us what movies you walked out of. Email us at on the movie front at hotmail.com. Hotmail.com. Thank you very much. We're gonna play some movie games now. Let's do it. We need like a jingle for our movie games. I think we have to record one soon. All okay? right. Like, for now, you're, you're just gonna sing something. Movie games and the movie games when we play their movie games. I like how uh, up, yeah, <laughs> how willing you were to actually just start singing a song without even knowing what I was gonna say next. You gave me this lucky. You was like, okay. <laughs> All right, so I hate to put you on the spot, Mike, but we're gonna play movie review game. Oh dear. We usually play this when you have uh, a partner to help oh, you. Oh, let's out. do it. Roll. Just go. Go. Okay, go. Okay. Go. I'm gonna read you this one. This movie is in 2000s. Oh, for people who don't know about this game, I'm going to. <laughs> I was read gonna it. say, don't tell them. Don't tell them. No, go ahead. Should I not tell them? Tell them. Should we keep them in the dark? Okay. They're already in the dark. I'm going to... Turn on the light, guys. <laughs> there anyway, you go. I'm Better. going to read an excerpt of a review that a critic wrote. Michael's going to try to guess the movie just from that excerpt. Are you ready? I'm ready. This is number one. This movie was in 2007. The critic was Michael Phillips. This one actually takes its time, creating some sites worth the gape, though they tend to be rather simple and unshowy sites such as Will Smith stalking the empty, weed-strewn streets of Manhattan. I am legend. Correct. Did you get that because you heard Will Smith? Yes. Well, and... and the What do you describe? The weeds? 
empty weed yeah. streets of Manhattan that was, looking that's for how I knew it, yeah. So do you think if I would have eliminated Will Smith's name, would it, it would have been more difficult, right? No. You would have gotten it? Yeah. I'm always wondering whether or not I should take out the actors' names or not. And then, like, when, I, when I'm when I'm making these up for you, for that one, I would have gotten it okay. only because that image is was very uh, pretty cool. Okay, go. You are one for one. Congratulations! Oh yeah. Hell yeah! Another 2007 film. This uh, review is from Stephanie Zacharek of Salon Magazine or whatever. This new move. Or did I mean movie? E? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know why, why I wrote uh, move. This new movie riffs on the themes of the original, the potential complexity of friendships between men, the feelings of duty men have towards their families, and the anxiety they suffer when they can't measure up. This okay. What tough. year was it? 2007. I don't even remember the answer from reading that. 2007. Hmm. This duty men have towards their families and anxiety they suffer when they can't measure up. I'll give you a hint. There's okay. two big stars in this film. Two big stars, they kind of are together. They kind of go head to head, but are together. <laughs> <laughs> um, that makes sense. I don't know. I'm buying. This is very generic. Yeah, it is very. I will give you one more hint. It is a western. It's a western? Did that flip you upside down? Well. I mean, is it 310 to Yuma? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you don't really need to watch too many westerns. Well, I love that movie, but I guess I didn't remember Russell Crowe's part, oh, that true. he had a family. Yeah. Like, I, I remember definitely for a fact that Christian Bale had Right, yeah, yeah. He was pretty basically Yeah, that was a hard one. Wow. That was a tough one. I'm sorry okay. for giving no, that no, one no, so no, early. I, right, I don't want right. to... Do I still get it, technically? You, you, you get a half. Minutes? I'll give you a half. All right. One and a half, one and a half, out, half out, of out of two. Okay. That's pretty good. That's 2007 pretty good. movie, again, by Tasha Robinson, the reviewer. By catching his protagonists equally... Whoa, I can't read. I'm sorry. Let me start that over. By catching his protagonists between equally oppressive horrors, Frank Darabound successfully finds the squelchy heart of Stephen King's story and keeps it pumping until the ugly end. 2007. The Mist? Yes. Oh, yeah. I was going to... Uh, I like me some Frank Darabont. Frank Darabont, I thought it was interesting because like, him and King, they do quite a few things they together. They do, they do. Uh, but yeah, it was 2007, and the ugly end definitely kind of makes up its mark on that. Okay, we have two more, Mike. Let's you are two and a half out of three, so that's <laughs> very good. This is a 2003 film, a little farther back, so you, you, it might be a little tougher. This is a, a review by Roger Ebert. The easiest thing at the movies is to sympathize with the two people who are falling in love. The hardest thing is to sympathize with two people who are denying their feelings, misleading each other, and causing pain to a trusting heart. This is a comedy only by uh, only by dictionary definition. In life, it is unpleasant and makes the audience sad. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very interesting... Uh, paragraph you wrote there, and uh, I would just give a, a slight hint, because it doesn't seem like you know it right off the bat, I do not like this film. Wow. It's actually probably one of like, the five films I don't like the most. Wow. Uh, I'm very passionate about how I dislike this film, and so is Ebert, apparently. <laughs> wow. Hmm. This is a tough one. Let's see. I guess the only thing here, it, it, it's a comedy. Two people falling in love, comedy. It's a comedy, uh, and then, yeah, yeah, it's uh, and then a comedy that I didn't like at all. Wow, that, I don't know. You're gonna have to give me another hint. Here. Okay, it has two. It has a, a guy and a girl, <laughs> very good-looking guys and girls, and uh, they start in this, and they actually because I think of their success, they start in other movies together. Maybe one or two more. One recently. I want I, if I tell you that, you're gonna know. I don't know. I think I'm gonna have to give up on this one. Okay, I'll just tell you that the the, the fool's gold. It was there. Oh, so it's a McConaughey film? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Do you remember which 2003 comedy? Nope. How to Lose a Guy intended. Oh, you didn't like that movie? I hated that oh, movie. Oh, I liked that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if I hated it because one of my uh, friends loved it so much and she wouldn't li leave me alone unless I watched it. So I, I thought watched it was it pretty funny. It. I thought it was pretty funny. I don't know. I just... that. Kate Hudson really annoyed me in that film. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, she if, was. If, super I was annoying. if I was Matthew McConaughey, I would have punched her in the face so many times, <laughs> ruining his poker game, doing the whole New York Knicks shenanigans. Stuff. Oh man, I hated her. That was pretty bad. Okay, yeah. One more, Michael. All right, I gotta redeem myself. You gotta redeem here. yourself. Here we go. 
I think you're going to get this one. 2003? There is, however, a Disney-esque mentality that breaks the surface occasionally, which keeps the movie from achieving its full potential. In the end, you never really believe that this mother and daughter have walked a mile in each other's shoes to the extent that they truly appreciate and understand each other. Freaky Friday? Yeah! (laughs) I didn't even see that film. (laughs) Oh, no? No, but... Switching shoes <laughs> yeah, gave it away. It was a very, uh, I was like, oh, that might give it away, but I thought like maybe saying Disney esque in the beginning, you're gonna think cartoon right away. So I was trying. I had oh, cartoon. See? The first thing that came to mind was that Amy Adams film. Oh, uh, Enchanted. Enchanted. Right, yeah. right. Okay, so what time is it now, Michael? 9:07. <laughs> <laughs> you know where your children are. It is time for the flick shot battle, battle, battle. Give it the plug. Battle. It is www. Did I add too many W's? www.flickchart.com One word. It is an awesome website that compares two movies side by side and you get to choose which one's better. So let's jump into it. Jump into action. Our first matchup is The Fugitive versus Requiem for a Dream. This is a really good battle, right? Right this off the, right off the get-go. I don't know which Fugitive is probably one of the most solid action films I've I seen. love The Fugitive. I, I, I think one I of those movies like the that you can watch over and over again. Definitely, definitely. It was probably like the first gigantic like chase movie from beginning to end. It's so good. There's been a lot of those since, but this one like defined, started a, a, a subgenre, if you will, right. of action movies. Definitely. You know? And I talk about Requiem for a Dream, probably one of the strongest cult movies in the past. This movie is so depressing years. to watch. Oh my god! It's like it starts out kind of depressing, but you're in a good state. And then the entire movie just falls downward in a downward spiral yeah. until you get to the insane ending, and then you just want to never do drugs in your entire life. No, but, but I also kind of like never want to watch the movie again because it's just really? so powerful. Like it's one of those movies that just leaves an imprint in my mind. Not gonna, yeah, like, you're you're right. Not gonna lie, I haven't seen this movie in a long time, but I've only seen it once. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I, I, it's, it's just a movie I don't need to see a second yeah. time. Not because it's not good. It's it's extremely good. It's extremely well done. It just it is so well done that I don't need to watch it again. <laughs> does that make sense? That does make sense. I like that. I, I kind of feel the same way with Million Dollar Baby. I don't want. I've only mm. seen that movie once, yeah, maybe twice. Me too. I don't have to watch it again. I don't. Yeah. It was pretty freaking depressing as well. Yes, exactly. Okay, so uh, we're gonna have to pick. I'm gonna have to go with The Fugitive, and it's not an easy decision, but. Right, I'll go with Requiem for a Dream. Oh, gotta be difficult right <laughs> off the bat. <laughs> right off the bat. Heads for the Fugitive. Heads for the Fugitive. It is Heads, Heads the, fugitive. the Fugitive. Let's go 44 of the Harrisons. <laughs> Die Hard 2 versus 7. 7, easily. <laughs> That's a great two, movie. Yeah. 7 was amazing. Taxi Driver versus Independence Day. Um, and it is close to 4th of July, so yeah, I don't know if that's going to help. I'm going to go with Independence Day. I'm, I'm going with Taxi Driver. <laughs> really? It's a classic. Are you kidding me? Um, gotta lie. I, 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 yeah, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I haven't seen Taxi Driver. Oh, okay. I've seen parts of it. That we could just still flip anyway. Okay, okay. Heads for Taxi Driver, Tails for Independence Day. It's always going to be heads. You flip only heads. <laughs> Every single time. <laughs> you don't flip anything. It's the way you flip a coin. What do you mean it's the way I flip a coin? It, it's 50 50. No, it's like I, re- I always flip tails. Always. And you always flip heads. Watch. <laughs> Give me the coin. Okay, our next matchup is A Beautiful Mind versus Wild Wild West. I have a soft spot. I'm going to pick oh, the Wild no. Wild West. I love I that movie. Pick Wild Wild, Wild West, West Jin over Liz, A Beautiful oh, Mind. Oh, oh. No, okay, so since this is going to be tails, why don't you try to make that tails? <laughs> well, that do it again. Right, right. <laughs> For everyone who didn't see, he tails. Damn it. <laughs> Told you. All right. Uh, come on, come flick on, chart Don't jump on me. Looks like flick chart is failing on us right now. It's saving our choice. Saving our choice. Saving <laughs> our choice. Stop that. Alright, uh, our next matchup is Ice Age versus Dogma. Ooh. Hmm. Um. <laughs> I like the Dogma picture. I'm gonna. I. Ugh. This is really tough. I'm gonna go with Dogma. I'm gonna go with Dogma as well. But I like Ice Age a lot. Ice Age was a very good movie. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Mrs. Mrs. Doubtfire. To live! <laughs> you have to do it. Versus, versus Traffic. Wow. I don't remember Traffic. What's that about? 
drugs, right? Yes. Mm, who's in it? No idea. As we can see, it's Michael Douglas, Don Cheadle, Benicio Del Toro, Dennis Quaid, and Captain Zeta Jones. I do love me some Don Cheadle. I gotta go watch this movie again. I don't remember it. I gotta go with Doubtfire just because if I can't remember Traffic, well, it's possible that I've never seen it if I can't remember it. But I knew that it was a drug movie. I'm pretty sure I saw it once, but that was a long time ago. I don't remember it. Doesn't it sound like the bad version of Blow? It's probably the good version of Blow. I'm pretty sure it won... Oh, oh really? Oscars, like five Oscars oh, really? or something like that. Is this a Soderbergh film? I think I won, like, Blow was a bad movie? Well, no, Blow isn't a bad movie, but I would say that's a lot more mainstream. Like, this was, like, a critically acclaimed movie. And I, I think it won writing, I think it won directing. It, it was a very good... I think you're confusing it with Blow. <laughs> oh, I might be now. Because Blow's the Johnny Depp movie. Yeah, but that didn't win Oscars, I don't think. It was really well written. Shoot. I might be confusing traffic now <laughs> with something else. <laughs> It does have a good cast. No, I think, I think this was the year where um, Gladiator won Best Picture, but Ridley Scott did not win Director. I think Soderbergh won for Traffic. Wow. And the fact that you know that is very impressive. <laughs> if it's right. If it's right. We're going we're gonna to have to fact check this. Well, All right. 2000 was definitely Gladiator. Right. So. <laughs> You're half right. <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't know. I, I honestly, I want to pick Miss Doubtfire, but I, I Traffic... I don't know if I've seen it. Why don't we just skip that? <laughs> Why don't we just skip it? After 20 minutes of discussion, we're going to just skip it. Mrs. Doubtfire versus Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Is it dwarfs or dwarfs? <laughs> dwarfs. Dwarfs? I don't know now. Now you've got me. 1937? This movie was really made that long ago? Yes. It was the first Walt Disney movie. Did they have color back then? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so confused right now. I'm still thinking Doubtfire. I, I don't really like Snow White. The, uh, the dwarves I don't understand how they out. made a full movie out of that. It's, it's just seven guys <laughs> singing off to work we go, and she's roaming around. And she's just some sort of prince who comes along and upsets the dwarves. So <laughs> Ghostbusters 2. Two. <laughs> versus the Panic Room. Room. Uh, I, I don't, don't think Ghostbusters <laughs> 2 was very good. I was going to say I didn't think Panic Room was very good. So which one is the lesser of the worst? Ghostbusters <laughs> 2. Bill Murray. On Bill Murray. I don't know. I really didn't like Ghostbusters 2, so I'm going to pick Panic Room. Okay. And I'm going to flip heads for you. Fine. Okay, how about that? Okay. You better be tailed. Oh! oh look at my Because you're trying now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me, versus the Chronicles of Narnia. We're going with Austin Powers, even though I know Rod doesn't like Austin Powers. He's going with I it. I can't pick Austin what? Powers. What? Come on. It's the chronic what calls of Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> the chronic what calls of Narnia. Oh, want me to flip heads again? Yeah. There you go. Damn. <laughs> We're having a lot I of... I called that before you showed me. You did. That was impressive. The Ooh. Dark Knight versus Braveheart. This might have to be our last matchup if we're going to discuss this. What do you think? I don't know how to discuss it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is our final matchup. Um, we have two very epic films. Dark Knight. <laughs> I meant Braveheart. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Um, oh, that's a classic. <laughs> With iconic it's so many, so many iconic scenes. Oh man! I mean, I'm not sure if the Dark Knight's going to be fresher in our minds and it's going to maybe persuade us in that aspect. But Braveheart was an excellent film. I would say, like 20 years down the line, what do you think people will remember as being the better film? That's a good way to think of these two excellent films. Um, whew. 20 years down the line, I don't know. I, I would, I'm gonna say Dark Knight. Yeah, me too. Is that it? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> All right, thank that was you easy. guys for listening to us. Yeah. All right, uh, we had a lot of fun. Come back next week when we uh, do another podcast episode. Another podcast. Should I give them the info? Always. Ooh, my phone was ringing. Beep beep. Okay, uh, what do we got here? We got our Facebook. Please join us on the Facebook. We are on <laughs> on the Facebook. <laughs> we are yes. on the Facebook. That would be facebook.com slash on the movie front. We also have an. Can email. I get the like button? <laughs> The like, like this, or is it like become a fan? I forget what. Become a fan, not. <laughs> no, don't listen. To that. Become a fan. Uh, I'll plug the info for the uh, hotmail again. It's on the movie front at hotmail.com. Please tell us what movies you walked out of. <laughs> if not, we're just gonna make them up and pretend that you said it. Uh, John Q writes in. Ooh, John Q. 
Uh, what else? What that was a good movie, right? John Q. Dude, that's one of the movies I see on TV all the time, and I can't turn it off. Yeah, it's good. It's one of those... Yeah. Denzel Washington, this is my theory. He doesn't make a bad movie. This is my theory about Denzel Washington. We're going to have to research that and come back next Can episode. Can you think of a bad Denzel Washington movie? <laughs> Why did you say that so weird? Seriously. I'm trying to think. I, I, I'll start naming them. Okay. I'll, I'll try and name one of the lesser known ones to see if you think they're bad. Deja okay. Vu. I thought it was great. I haven't seen that. Uh, Man on Fire. I haven't seen that. Well, oh, that's really good. <laughs> Obviously Training Day. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of other things he's been in. Are you, are you, cha- you want me to look up Denzel Washington right now The Train movie I haven't seen that Wow I just I don't think I've seen Denzel Washington <laughs> movies He's done a lot of good movies Ensemble I would say Probably is his worst film That has to be A worse er, film I don't know He's a quality actor Alright well I'm gonna I'm gonna Come Tell back with one, two, three. <laughs> I'm just gonna have to Watch <laughs> Denzel Washington movies I haven't seen any of these films I just made the connection That he's in two train movies Back to back That is weird actually Huh that's just strange. I guess so. What was I doing when we started talking about this? Closing, uh, concluding. I was giving the, uh, the info. info. Okay, we can visit our blog, which is otmf-blog... Whoa, that's wrong. otmf-podcast.blogspot.com where you can view our movie rating archives that Michael Sheen did not know existed. <laughs> that was hilarious. Uh, is there anything else? We have email, we have a Facebook, we have a blog. Is that it? Yeah. And if you go see a movie this weekend or next weekend or any of the following weekends, write us a review and uh, we'll read part of it on the air. Yes, we will. Oh, that is a promise. That is a promise. I swear. Also, stay tuned to see who wins our box office challenge, me or Michael. Oh, yeah, it's going to be me. Not. <laughs> All right, until next week, guys. Adios. Peace.